Welcome to the live period. I'm your host, Nick Goodwin. And I'm Thomas Villianco with Villianco Hoops. And I'm Brandon Goebel with Juco Advocate and Verbal Commits. All right, guys, welcome back to the live period. Today, we've got Ali Farokmanesh, a former Juco product at Kirkwood and a player at uh, UNI. I, some of you guys might have heard. I don't know. He did a few things there that people might have seen or talked about at one point. And uh, current assistant at Colorado State. How are we doing, my friend? Doing well, Brandon. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, you bet. We appreciate you coming on. Um, guys, we're just going to kind of talk through uh, who who is Ali and, and, and his career and you know, path from junior college to the tournament to being a coach now, you know, he was a pro overseas and, uh, you know, just kind of dive into some things that, you know, around some of those crazy times that maybe people don't get to hear and, and maybe some anecdotes that'll be beneficial to young players out there um, and uh, young coaches as well, um, as Ali has uh, kind of worked his way up quickly into uh, the ranks of being one of the more respected coaches in all of division one basketball. So, um, let's just kind of dive in here. You know, I, the, some of this stuff that we've talked about as good as you, uh, friends of you and I are now, um, kind of like just a, just a weird happenstance that we even got to know each other. Um, and then oddly enough, our co-host here, Thomas, uh, you introduced me to, and so you and I first met what at the final four in Phoenix, I think. Yeah. 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 yeah and you Phoenix. had just, I think you'd just been promoted to director of player relations, I think at, at yeah. Nebraska, cause you were GA there before. And uh, so we're out in, in Wichita at uh, Jerry Mullins top 100. And, and uh, it's raining like the hardest rain in the history of mankind. And you're like, Hey, let's go to dinner. And I got this guy that uh, you need to meet. And I'm like, yeah, all right, whatever. And, uh, and in walks Thomas and uh sits down and and i know i know thomas thomas and i you know we've learned in this business obviously to kind of trust a lot of people as far as you can throw them until you really get to know them (laughs) and i know the second that thomas sat down i could see him just kind of glancing over me like i don't know about this one (laughs) (laughs) well it was it was interesting because like you said you you were down there for the top 100 and then I was down there for the mullins high profile for the high school stuff and i've known ali from nebraska and he was recruiting, uh, looking at one of the players that I train, uh, Sam Greasel, who's not North Dakota State. So Ali just kind of was like, Thomas, we need to go out for dinner. I was like, yeah, sounds good, man. Like, let's meet up for dinner. And he was like, I need, I need you to meet one of my close friends, Brandon, uh, of Juco Advocate. And I was like, okay. So we go and I walk in and see Brandon sitting there with uh, his Juco Advocate gear on and had, had, a, had a few questions and uh, – Within about 10 minutes, we're uh, just talking like it's, uh, you know, we've known each other for 20 years. And, uh, yeah, so Ali, appreciate you uh, being the connector. That's why this podcast is here and how Brandon and I have become so close. And, obviously, Ali and I have become close over the last probably four or five years. And, no, it's just crazy how things work. It's uh, it's a small world. And, yeah, Wichita, Kansas brought us, brought us all together at Bonefish Grill back in 2017, <laughs> 16, 17. <laughs> Haven't been back uh, since, but yeah, yeah, same. same. <laughs> he moved it. It's it's in Dallas now. <laughs> he, uh, he doesn't even do it there. And I I remember. Um, I'll always remember that Mullins because I sat under the hoop with uh, with Greg Marshall and he was watching Jaime Echenique, and uh, and Jaime just started kicking the crap out of everybody, and uh, and went on to have a, a great career at uh, at Wichita. There, there was there was some dudes in that thing. Uh, big, big fellow that went to Murray state too, that he got hurt this last year, but the year before it was freaking awesome. So that was always anyway. an awesome event with the, with the teams that they had there and the, and the Juco players that they had there. Like, yeah. I, I thought it was a perfect setup because you got, you got a mixture of everybody, the teams that needed to get older faster when they went Juco and then the other, and then obviously you get some really good high school talent too. Yeah. I remember showing up to that thing, just thinking like, Holy crap, <laughs> the yeah. amount of players that are, that yeah. are in this thing. And and then we had the, the court of Juco and all the high school stuff going on. I mean, it was, that was a big time, big time deal. Um, So Ali high school basketball. And again, this is all Ali and I have literally never spoken about like, 
like I've never asked him about his playing career and stuff, but, um, and I'll get into why his career was kind of important to me later on, but, um, high school basketball, you are, you are coming out of high school you, you, for, for what you ended up being in college compared to, you know, whatever, what, I guess, what, what did high school basketball look like for you as far as recruitment and, you know, all that kind of stuff? What, what was going on? Yeah. Um, so I moved to moved from Washington to Iowa, my junior year of high school. So I was, I mean, that was a big transition, obviously moving in the middle of your high school career. Um, and my mom, she took the job at university of Iowa as a volleyball coach. So I'm moving to Iowa and she goes to meet with, uh, the high school coach and Steve Bergman's the coach at Iowa city West. He's a legend one. I don't even know how many state championships. I think it's like six, but he's been to, I think he's set a record. He's been to 10 state tournaments in a row, um, at the highest level in Iowa. Um, and I know Iowa basketball is not a, a Mecca of by any means, but at the highest level, like Iowa basketball is, is really good. Um, so my mom goes in to meet with him. I was deciding between Iowa city high and Iowa city West. And she goes in to meet with Bergman. And if you know Bergman, he's really sarcastic and kind of pessimistic. And um, he goes, sits down with, with Berg and she starts talking to him. I have my son. He's, he's really into basketball. You know, I think he'd be a good player for you. And she, and he's like, all right, we'll just describe him to me. She's like, ah, six foot white guy. And that always gets really, people really excited. Right. <laughs> and um, so, so he, so he completely brushes it off and is like, was like, ah, oh, you know, we have a lot of those type of kids here. <laughs> like, yeah, you're in Iowa. What do you think? Um, and um, so he ends up like not really pursuing it, like not really interested in whatever. I'm like, no, I want to go there. Like they're the best school. I'm going to go there. So I decided to go there anyways um, and have a like good career, go to the state tournament my junior year. Um, my senior year, we were like 23 and one and we lost to a team in the state in the to go to state and the game to go to state by one point or something. And I'm devastated, but anyways, I'm have a good season. First team, all state um, MVP of the conference, all that stuff. And the other MVP, the co MVP of the conference was Jason Bohannon who goes to Wisconsin, who was like a top 50 recruit in the country at the time. And uh, so I'm like, all right, well, like somewhat of a class, maybe close to him. Like maybe I'll get recruited by somebody in division one or division two. And um, my parents are obviously coaches. So they know a lot of people. And um, we sent, letters out to everybody. I'm sending video out to everybody and I don't get a division one look. I don't give a division two phone call. I got one phone call from a coach at Wayne state. Um, but then they dropped off and then I don't get any NAI, nothing. The only place that would recruit me was Wartburg college in Iowa. And that's a D three. And the only reason they recruited me was because my grandfather was the treasurer, like what, like the, in the sixties, my my everybody my whole family goes to Wartburg so like obviously whatever I'm gonna go there probably so I decide I'm gonna go Juco though because I'm like I want to play division one I get like a hate letter from somebody in my family I hope they're not listening to this but like <laughs> literally telling me like what are you doing going to Juco like you have a possibility for a great education your whole family went here like this op- awesome opportunity you gotta think of life outside of the basketball. Wartburg legacy must live on <laughs> exactly <laughs> and um and I was just like no like I want to give myself a chance to play juco like I, I worked my tail off up to this point and there's nothing I'm not nothing against division three but that was my goal I wanted to play division one so I took a chance and decided to try juco and um went to Indian Hills after that in Ottumwa, Iowa so did you did you have any context of what junior college really was what that was like the the level of basketball all that sort of stuff when you when you went there or were you going in relatively fresh eyed no i knew just because um sean haluska was at indian hills too so i knew sean and talked to sean about it but then also my parents being in coaching they i knew that juco wasn't necessarily like it wasn't like a level down from division 1 or division 2 obviously it's it's not the same but there's some dudes at in Juco. And I knew that as soon as I got to campus and Indian Hills for people that don't know, but like it, that's high level Juco. And that was, that was an experience. We had, we had a really good team. When I went there, we went 34 and one and we're 34 and zero going into Hutch. Um, but that's a different story why we lost the first game. Um, but I mean, it was high, high level and it was fun. Like every day was a battle in practice and, and Brandon, you know, better than anybody. Like, there's not a lot of rules. So we were practicing all the time. We were beating each other up all the time. I remember the best punishment I've ever had in my life. We, somebody didn't, well, somebody didn't do the line judging. They were late to the line judging for the volleyball games. And so um, we get a call at 11 o'clock and coach is like, 
everyone everyone get to the gym and we're like 11 o'clock at night like what do you mean get to the gym like what so we get to the gym we had got our shoes on we put our stuff on we're lined up on the baseline and coach goes um he goes just take your shoes off and i'm like what take our shoes off like what is this man about to do to us like he's gonna beat our feet like whip us like I don't, what's going on and um and he, he says take your shoes off and set them behind you and i'm like okay so take our shoes off set it behind we had a couple guys that were injured too so they did the same thing um and he goes he goes all right now pick up he screams at us for five minutes then he goes pick them up so we pick our shoes up and he's like hold them out straight in front of you we hold our shoes out in front of us for an hour an hour straight uh, that was the best punishment ever because it literally like the guys that could play they can do that they can do that the guys that were hurt they can do that too you got a sprained ankle you can hold your shoes out and it was literally that was the best punishment i've ever i hated it but it was the best punishment i've ever seen in I mean, there was a lot of there was a lot of times I questioned whether I wanted to play basketball um, when I was there. But it was I grew up so much from being there and in that environment and in that experience and and playing against some guys every single day. It, it tested how much I really wanted it. I feel like the bigger players with the really long wingspans would disagree with you on how awesome that punishment. Was. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I was basically holding it right in front of my chest. Like, oh, it wasn't no, bad no, for me. Crazy. <laughs> exactly, <laughs> Ali. When you when you go JUCO like that, I mean, can you speak so much? I don't know. Is it just easier for you to speak to recruits now, having gone through that and, and seeing that experience, or telling a kid like, "Hey, you should try the junior college route"? Because I know for me, I, I didn't go junior college, but I know what that life is like. I've been to junior college practices and, and, and know several coaches, and obviously Brandon. I think it's great for a lot of kids. Like you said, you grew up a ton. You realize, all right, I really want this. And I think there's so many kids, right, that that need that. I mean, yeah, absolutely. And and it's, it, I mean, you don't want to use the last chance you analogy and whatnot, but like it really does feel like that. Because like for me, it was my last chance to go to Division One. That's it. I didn't have after that. Like dreams done. And it, it's like that for a lot of kids. Like if it after that, like it's done. Like if you don't make it happen at that point, it's not happening you know, and that's, that's the way I approached it and, and tried to work at it every single day. But it's, it, it is, I think it's, I think it's a great, it was a great experience for me. I don't think there's no way. And I transferred out. I went, I was at two, I was at two Juco. Um, I transferred after my freshman year, but I wouldn't have been able to have the career I had after that. If I wasn't at Indian Hills and gone through experiences that I did go through. And I wasn't like, that's what people don't understand. Like it wasn't like, I just, was good at Indian Hills and then went from there. Like I didn't play much at Indian Hills. I remember there was a time in like, there was a game we played state fair and Marcus Walker, who was a tremendous player, ended up playing at Colorado state was at Nebraska. So we transferred from Nebraska to Indian Hills and was a heck of a player at, at Nebraska, even when he was there. And when he transferred, like he had every big 10 in the gym, like it was a who's who of who was in the gym to watch Marcus and Marcus got hurt one game. And so I was behind him. And um, we're at State Fair, and I had, like, 19 points, and we came back and won the game. And so I'm like, man, like, I solidified myself. I'm in the lineup now. Like, I 19 points, and we came back to win. I have to play now. And um, the next night, I didn't play at all, not a single minute. And no reason, just didn't didn't get off the bench. And I was devastated. And, and because I, you love playing. Like, anybody who's a player, you'd be devastated, too, if you have a great game, especially. Like, it wasn't like I just came in and, like, made the right pass like 19 points and five assists so it wasn't like I was just out there in right. the next game nothing and I didn't understand why and it hurt and instead of going to my parents and complaining to them and my mom was furious too because they're coaches and I told them don't say anything like I don't want you to say anything I, like that's the last thing I want one because I knew if I said something I'd probably get I'd probably have to hold my shoes out again <laughs> but um but I told them don't say anything I don't I, I'll like I'll keep working. And so literally that next, that night after everyone cleared the gym, I went back to the gym and got on the gun. And that's just, that was the way I approached the rest of the time. And it that was the hardest year of basketball of my life was at Indian Hills, the hardest. So you, so when you guys finish up at, at Hutch and then, then that summer you decide to go to Kirkwood and you know, you, you have the season you had at Kirkwood when so you you had nothing out of high school and all of a sudden out of Kirkwood what what was that recruitment process like like I know we all know you ended up at Northern Iowa but who else was was on you what were people saying like 
like how did you kind of come to that conclusion to wind up going to to northern iowa yeah um even well before that when i decided to transfer um i actually tried to walk on at iowa and my parents were the volleyball coaches at iowa so i tried to walk on at iowa so i'm thinking how am i that's a shoe-in right my parents are employed there i like i'm they have to think i'm a decent person if my parents are getting paid to coach volleyball there um and they never called me back once never got a phone call back and so i was and that's my hometown too so iowa city university of iowa my parents are coaching there tried to walk on don't get a call back damn um that's cold yeah so <laughs> at that point i'm like wow I, I can't play at indian hills and i can't walk on at my home school like what do I do now? And um, so finally I was like, you know what? One last chance. Kirkwood was, they were always recruiting me. Coach Wagenmeister always had my back, was always in my ear about stuff. And so we said, come, come play. And I was like, all right, I'm doing everything I can to make this happen. So I literally that summer, I would be in the gym at 6am shooting. I would go back, I'd go to work for, I'd go to work at a rec center for the afternoon, come back at night and I'd go play at the Iowa city field house. Um, I play pickup from three to five and then I would go back and shoot with one of my uh, buddies who was an overseas guy at seven o'clock at night. And I did that all summer long. Um, and then when I got to Indian Hills, I would get on the gun at night, every single night. And you know, Indian Hill or not Indians at Kirkwood Wags was crazy. Like we were lifting at 5.00 AM. Then we had study hall. Then we had, we would, the guards on Wednesdays we'd have, so we'd have 5.00 AM lifting. Then we'd go back at noon. We would have individual workouts then we'd have team defensive workouts for 45 minutes after that. Then you'd have to jog a mile, a, a mile to the track, and then you'd have to do sprint workouts. And so that was three times a week. So I'm, I'm dying at that point. But even at night, I was like, I'm going to go shoot. So I shot every single night on the gun and made 400 jump shots every single night. And I, I, bro I ended up breaking the gun. <laughs> I had to order a new one. Um, and, but I swear like that – all of that stuff, all that adversity really put a fire inside me that I was like, I'm not like, I'm going to make this happen. Like at F you, I'm not going to say it, but like, that's all, that was my whole mentality to every single person was like that guy. Like I had a list of guys that I was going to, this is I'm, who I'm proving it to. And so then fast forward now we're at, now I'm at Kirkwood and um, play well in a jamboree and start getting some interest and um, took one official visit to Montana state. And I remember um, my head coach telling me I should take it and nothing against Montana state, but like he, he's telling me to take it right now. And, and it was in, geez, it was in back in November. So it was early. And um, I'm like, no, I'm, I'm going to wait. I'm going to keep playing. And uh, so I kept playing and then I go to the December and we're at um, the, what was that old Juco event that used to be in Des Moines? It used to be at the, at the nap center where Drake plays. And it used to be, so we played, we played um, Indian Hills though. So that I, so we're going back to December. I'm playing Indian Hills. My former coach who basically told me I wasn't good enough, didn't play me in the games, everything. So I'm, I'm fired up for this game. I think I've, I might've told you this once, Brandon, but the first time I get the ball, um, I shoot an air ball, like complete air ball. And I'm like, Oh boy, this is going to be a long night. And they had Dwight bikes and, and Hardy. So two guys, Dwight Bice goes to Marquette and Hardy goes to St. John. So they got some dudes. And um, I'm like, I, I was nervous. Obviously, I shot my first shots in air ball. Well, my second shots in air ball too. So I start out 0 for 2 with two air balls and I'm just like, I'm shaking almost. Um, but then the rest of the game, like, I kind of just got back in, relaxed. Like Coach Ways calmed me down and because he knew it meant a lot to me and calmed me down. And then we end up winning in triple overtime and I had 35 points. And that's when, and that's when my recruitment went off from there. But, um, and I remember that game meant more to me than any other game. And like, everyone's going to be like, ah, that can't be true. But like that game meant more to me than anything else. Cause I was the guy that basically almost made me quit basketball, you know? Uh -huh. Right. And so at that point I'm like, this is easy after that. And then I remember after that we, we play, um, Iowa Western, I had 30 on them, 30 on Iowa lakes on 14 shots or something like that. Um, so after that, it's just, I'm just going. Cause that was like the last thing I, that, that that's all I needed to gain my confidence. And then the recruitment kind of goes from there. And, um, it really came down to at the end of the day, um, was Northern Iowa and St. Louis with Rick, when Rick Majerus got the job. Um, oh, yeah, yeah. and then small side note, but the last two weeks before I'm about to make a decision, Iowa calls coach Wegemeister 
and wants to talk about offering me a scholarship. And I'm like, huh. no possible way. <laughs> no. Um, I'd rather go, I'm going to Northern Iowa over you guys 100%. Um, and so that that's, it got to that point. And I made my decision a little earlier just cause it, it was getting kind of hectic with all the calls. And I wanted to, I still wanted to win a championship at, at Kirkwood. Um, and it really came down to Rick Majerus in, in Northern Iowa. And it, that was a tough, it really was a tough decision for me. Like that was, that was hard. Um, I remember Rick Majerus, I still have it, sent me a, um, wrote a 10 page note handwritten. Um, and I still have it today. And it was, it, that was hard. But I, the reason why I chose Northern Iowa, um, I, I thought we could win. I, re, I thought I fit really well and I thought we could win. And if you look at just name and everything else, like everyone, my parents wanted me to go to St. Louis, but I, I had this feeling that we could win at Northern Iowa. I'd never played with bigs that were that good. And I had Jordan Eggleseeder and Adam Cook who were really good young bigs. Um, and it wasn't like Northern Iowa was winning at that point. Like Coach Jake, they had gone 500 back to back before I got there. So what, I, I don't know what it was, but it, something just drew me to the idea that I thought we could win there. And I guess I was right. So. <laughs> So, so you wind up at Northern Iowa and you've got two years to play and talk about that transition from junior college to division one, because, you know, we always, anytime we're talking about recruiting and stuff like that, obviously when we're talking about Juco guys, one of the biggest things is that transition period, like how, um, for not, not for everybody, but like, it's difficult to go instantly from junior college to division one, not that because even like the, the change in competition or whatever, but typically uh you know basketball is a little more complicated right you know more playbooks twice as thick and and uh you know it's just a lot of different expectations and a lot more responsibilities and all that sort of stuff that comes with it how did how did you go through that transition and you know was there kind of anything that that you felt like um you know maybe you could have done better that would have sped the process up or things that you did right that kind of helped you into that a little easier yeah I think it's, it's kind of what we talk about too, Brandon, that like, I think the number one thing was, I think I chose, I know I chose a coach that believed in me. Um, so I knew that like whatever happened those first couple games or practices and whatnot, I knew he was going to have my back. And I don't think, I think that gets lost in recruiting a lot is you forget who really believes in you. And there's so many other things that can get in the way of that. But I really do like, I really believe that coach Jake believed in me. And he did because I, I shot 20% to start the first seven games of the year. Um, so he really believed in me because all <laughs> I was was a shooter. Um, but I, I do, I think that's a huge thing with recruiting and for kids is like, you got to go somewhere where somebody believes in you, like really believes in you deeply. Cause I don't think most coaches after seven games and we weren't winning, we were under 500 and I'm shooting 20% and there's two other six foot white guys on the bench that shoot too. So why not play them? And I remember seeing that in a message board post. I remember reading that being like, why don't we play the other six foot white guys? Um, but I, I do, I think that's the biggest thing is find a coach that really believes in you. Um, and then after well, that, you like, had the offer from Iowa. Right. And so like, how many yeah. times do we know, you know, when it comes into that, that spring recruiting time period and you're sitting there and you're on a guy and you're like, man, if so-and-so comes in from the high major level, like we're probably out. Right. Yeah. And, and it's, and it, you know, it, it's interesting that you were able to see that, um, you know, who truly wanted you um, as opposed to what the highest level was. You know, maybe you would have been just as successful at Iowa, but probably seven games in at Iowa, if you're shooting 20 percent, I'm guessing you don't see a whole lot of the floor after that. No, exactly. Because there's, there's usually a reason why people come in late in your recruitment. It's because, like, they saw something before that they didn't like about you. Right. Yeah. And then and then you answer some of those questions. But there's still some questions. So if those first eight games, you aren't performing well. Well, those questions start coming back up to the surface again. And now they're moving on to somebody else. And that's just, that's the way it is. Um, but yeah, I, I think that the, the huge piece of it is just knowing who believes you. It's hard. And you know that, like, it's easy for me to say that now uh, going through it, but it's, it is hard to know that at the time, because in recruiting, this is our job, you know, like our job is to make, our place seem like it's the best fit for you, you know, and it's hard to tell who's being genuine with that and what the true intentions are with that sometimes. And that's why you, it is, you have to lean on certain people to help you with your recruitment too. But you also have to listen to people's words, but you have to listen to, you have to see their actions. What have they done in the past with guys? What guys have they had that look similar to you? 
You know what I mean? Like that, that stuff matters too. It's, and everyone says I'm different. I'm built different. I'm different. You know what I mean? Like that's the big saying now is I'm different. You're not. Most guys aren't that different. There's been someone like you before. You know what I mean? Even Jordan to Kobe comparison, like it's a comparison. Yeah. Maybe Jordan's better and whatnot, but there's a, there's a comparison. So there's been someone like that before. Right. And I think guys better understanding that aspect of it helps with the recruitment process so much more. But in terms of like playing and getting used to it, it is hard. Cause you're right. Like the playbook changes, your teammates change, the environments change. Um, everything is so much different. And it, it, there is that adjustment period. And I think you see it a lot with Juco kids, those first five, six games, it's, it is a navigation process and, and whatnot. And then that's what happened for me, at least after seven, eight games, then I started playing really well after that. And I ended up shooting like 37% from the year. So that I had to have shot like 50% the rest of the season because it was so <laughs> bad to start. Um, but there's, there's absolutely that adjustment period. And that's why you have to choose someone that truly believes in you and that they need you. Cause there's a difference between wanting and needing someone. Don't forget to like, share, and subscribe to the podcast iTunes ratings and reviews are also extremely helpful. Your support is what helps us move the needle and keep this thing going. We love and appreciate all of you. Now, back to the show. So you guys start off six and seven and kind of find your stride then to the, towards the end of the season. You go into the Missouri Valley Tournament, you win the tournament, and that first season there, your junior year, you guys get that 12 seed going up against Purdue. This is like, what, what was that like for you when you guys are sitting there hearing, you know, we, we, we always, a lot of the guys we've had on so far have been at like these major programs, right. Where, um, you know, Mo Wagner at Michigan and, and Mooney and, and Roby and stuff, but you're, you're Northern Iowa, you're sitting there, you've won this tournament and you're waiting to hear your name and you hear that first matchup against the five seed Purdue, like a name that anybody that knows anything about basketball can immediately like recognize. What what was that feeling like sitting there as a team and, and seeing that selection Sunday? Yeah, that was – I mean, that was surreal because I think that was – if you go back to the very start, my parents are coaches, and I grew up watching Washington State and Iowa, and I always dreamed of playing in the NCAA tournament. Like, that was that was my dream. It wasn't I, – I didn't have that – I didn't. I really didn't have the NBA dream as my ultimate dream. My, my dream was to play – division one basketball and playing the NCAA tournament. Like that was my, that was my number one dream growing up. And um, that when we made that run, cause we won 11 games in a row in the, in the Valley that year. And then we, we actually in the final game, we played Illinois state um, and like snuck by with a win. Like we got out, like we went to overtime and we had to make some big shots. My, our Lucas O'Rear, who I think was like a 70% free throw shooter had to bury two free throws just to get it to overtime um so like we were we were jacked we were not supposed to be there six and seven started out zero and one we lost a home game to indiana state to start it so we were not supposed to be there um but we end up making it and i remember hearing our name called like i didn't care who we were playing it didn't matter like we made the tournament um and that was our mindset like we were just so we were so excited to get there i think that first year that like it was a little bit of a shell shock and they jumped on us early and we ended up coming back and it was a five-point game at the end but um, I think that year we were more just we were so satisfied with winning the conference championship, winning the conference tournament and making the tournament that anything after that, like it would have been it would have been awesome. Like we were still obviously trying to win, but we were almost kind of had this mindset of satisfaction to some degree, I feel like. Was there was there just a, a weird feeling, not only from hearing your name called on Selection Sunday, but you just came from Kirkwood uh, the year before. And, and now all of a sudden, like, like what, what is, what is that like at the NCAA tournament when you're, when you're a team that makes it, you know, everybody gets to see what happens on TV, but like what happens not on TV, you know, what the the hotel and the fans around and like that experience where, where, I don't even remember where, where was that first round at? Uh, Portland, Oregon. Okay. Yeah. It was, yeah, it was, that was crazy. The, the craziest part was we lost and we had to get on a plane going and go home right away. <laughs> that was probably the craziest part. Um, yeah. it was For like, those oh. that don't know, like when you lose that game, like the NCAA is literally like pulling you out of the arena and putting you on a plane. Like, Oh yeah. Like I would pack my, I didn't even say hi to my parents. I just packed my stuff and we were gone. Um, <laughs> but no, it was, that was, that was surreal. Like the whole environment, just being in the locker room and all the reporters coming in and talking to us and, um, even just the starting lineups and then being the, 
being the underdog in those games to an NCAA tournament, there's no better feeling because everybody's rooting for you, the whole whole arena. Like that's what's fun about the NCAA tournament is everyone backs up the underdogs um, once those games get going, and you can feel it in the crowd. And there's just it's, there's a different excitement level, and I can't, I really can't explain it um, unless you played in it. But I, there was no better basketball atmosphere than playing in the NCAA tournament and being on CBS, and I, I wouldn't trade that for anything. So you get done that year, and let's fast forward to your second NCAA tournament run. And you start off, obviously you guys are a much bigger name now. Everybody knows who you are. And you start off with UNLV, your final year. And just walk us through the, the UNLV game and walk us through you know what game. <laughs> and just go through yeah. it for, for everybody yeah. out there, if you can. Yeah, and we were so we were a nine seed, but um, we were ranked the whole year basically, like almost the entire year we were ranked. Um, so I mean, we were heading into Arch Madness. What were we 20, 25 and four? So I mean, we had four losses on our year. Um, had beaten Iowa State at Iowa State, beat Iowa at home by like twenty five. Um, so I mean, we had good wins, um, and then beat Siena, beat Siena at home as well. And then beat Old Dominion in a bracket buster. So two of those teams were NCAA tournament teams that we both beat as well. So we were, I mean, we were a solid team. Um, and then we went through the Valley Tournament that year and won every game by 15 points or more. So we just dominated the dominated it from that that standpoint. But so we're a little disappointed. We see UNLV pop up. We're a nine seed. We're like that we know they're a good team uh from the Mountain West. And so we know that that, that first game's are but at the end of the day when you're in that tournament every team's pretty good you know there's no there's no cakewalks um but so and then on top of that we see we're the nine seed so i know i've been watching the ncaa tournament for years so i know what a nine seed has to do if they win they have to play the number one team in the country that's the typical ncaa like we'll be danged if like we're gonna have you know somebody that with a cachet name in the nine seed that all of a sudden like we're gonna lose them out to the one seed like let's just pop northern iowa in there and then we'll just be done with them at some point exactly unless you're wichita state in kentucky but right but no like so like i'm literally like the whole time i I, like i know what's about to pop up but no it's not even just a one seed it's the number one overall team in the whole entire country um so i'm like oh they don't think very highly of us um (laughs) so it it goes from like hey you know everyone's clapping and cheering whatever it's uh all of a sudden Adam and I, my teammate, Adam Cook, who was uh, Missouri Valley player of the year. I look at him because that's my, he's my guy. Like, I talk basketball with him all the time. And I look at him and we're both like, wow, like that sucks. Um, <laughs> and then I remember we're all kind of, it was kind of like a down mood, to be honest, like in, in that selection party room with all the fans and everything. Like there was this weird vibe of just kind of slightly disappointed, you know, Cause we had a great year. Like everyone's thinking big run in the tournament and all these things and boom, Kansas pops up. And I remember after the meeting, coach Jake talked to us and this, this stood out the rest of the way was he never mentioned anything about getting screwed or anything about like, that was rough or that was, what was that? Or our seating didn't look right. All he said was, man, this is a great opportunity. We get to play UNLV. And then if we, if we were lucky enough to win that game, we get to play the number one team in the country. Like what an opportunity. And that always stuck with me. Like it, the way we approached it was opportunity. That was it. That was the only word we used. Didn't after that moment, never thought about getting screwed over. Never thought about the seating, never thought about anything else. Cause if to reach our goal at the end of the day, we're gonna have to beat some good teams. Might as well beat the best team in the country, I guess. <laughs> um, and that's, that's how we approached it. And so, and, and we also felt good cause it was in Oklahoma city. So it wasn't like, it wasn't so far away from us, even though that was basically a home game for Kansas, if we were going to play them in the next round. Right, absolutely. And so UNLV comes up. You guys go into that game as, you know, it, it, at least I, I don't even remember what people expected to happen in that game, but it, the the NCAA tournament is such a funny thing because there's those of us that are in basketball that have, uh, you know, a, a, just a different understanding than your common fan and are able to look at that maybe and say, okay, like this, this is going to be a really close game or, you know, whatever. But your common fan is going UNLV, Northern Iowa, Dunzo. Like this is an easy eight, nine UNLV moves on to Kansas. So, um, you know, this is the, everybody remembers the next game, but this is, this is really where like the insanity started. Right. I mean, you guys are, are, are fighting through this game and 
just for those that don't know, like what happens at the end? <laughs> um, yeah. So we, well, right before the end, um, cause this is pretty funny too. Um, we're, we're a pack line defense team. So you don't help in, you don't help in, um, off of shooters. You stay, you stay, you stay spaced out. Um, you might stunt or be in the gap, but you're not helping all the way in to give up the three. And, um, I, I do the cardinal sin and help in when we're up three with like 30 seconds left. And my guy, Oscar Belfield drills a three tie game now. So it was actually my fault that we were even in this scenario. We should have probably won the game before this anyways, but I give up the three to tie the game uh, to UNLV. So we get the ball back in bounds and Kajo's dribbling around and they're double teaming us and I'm standing on the wing um, and he, he kind of gets trapped. And so he throws the ball to Johnny Moran on the right wing and he takes one dribble and Johnny was one of the most unselfish players I've ever played with toughest kid. He's that classic guy. Like I, I swear the two, two guys you have to have on your team is you have to have a hard nosed tough guard. And then you better have a bruiser coming off the bench, like, like a Draymond green type or, but in our case, it was Lucas over here with mutton chops. Um, not quite as skilled as Draymond green. Um, but, <laughs> but he throws it across the lane and i I'm pretty far back, probably like 26 feet or something like that, and just step into it. And it felt good as soon as it, I released it. And ball goes in. And funny story with that, too. The ball goes in. But I saw a corner of my eye. Later, I'm watching the film. And my roommate, who's like one of my best friends, is in my wedding, um, Adam Cook again, is flying in there trying to get the offensive rebound. Like, he had no faith in me that I was going to make the shot. <laughs> Like he is going as hard as I've seen him go all game long to get an offensive rebound. Um, but, but ball goes in it games over after that, we're going nuts. And um, that, at that point, like I was like, man, like that was like my one shining moment. You grow up watching the NCAA tournament. All you know is one shining moment. That is it. That's all you know about, you know? And after that ball goes in, I'm like, man, like this is everything I've lived for was in that moment right there. Like win, win an NCAA tournament game, make the game winning shot at the end of the game. Like that was, there was nothing better than that. Like I was the high of highs Like go back to the hotel room. Everyone's going nuts. Um, there's people lined up like congratulating us. My phone's going crazy. I'm getting random Facebook messages from people in Iran that say they know my dad um, who I've never, I've never even visited Iran yet. Um, and so it was just, it was, it was out of this world. And I remember, I remember the phone calls and having to do interviews and stuff like that. And I thought it was like, man, this is like, man, this is crazy. This is, this is a once in a lifetime thing right here. And this is, this is day one, right? This, this is this what is, Thursday, that's, Thursday or Friday. Yeah, that's Thursday? Thir- that's thir- yep, that was Thursday afternoon. Yep. So then, did we have the play in back then? Did we have the Wednesday night games? I don't, I don't think so back then. I'm not, I don't yeah, think I'm, it was. We might've, we might've been one of the first games of the day. Actually. I think we were like a mid midday game. So we were, we were one of the first games of the tournament actually. So Ali t- take us. So that just happened. Take us into the locker room. 30 minutes an hour before Kansas like what what's it like yeah I well <laughs> the day before that though we're watching film and I'm like and like I'm at Kirkwood right two years ago two years ago right Sharon Collins is winning a national championship now I'm about to now I'm about to play him so I'm watching Sharon Collins in my living room at Kirkwood who two months like four months ago I was trying to walk on at Iowa who was terrible at the time but now I'm going to guard Sharon Collins in the NCAA tournament to go to the sweet 16. Like for all that to come together, like it blows my mind to this day, even because I never thought I was going to even be close to that situation. I was watching Sharon Collins being like, man, that dude's awesome. Like I like watching him play now. I'm like, Oh wow. I have to sit in the stance and guard it, you know? Yeah. Um, and so that was surreal. And then watching the highlights of them. Cause you know, they put clips tapes together for us before the games for the scouts and I'm like, there's no way. <laughs> like they, they got, they, they had Th- Thomas Robinson was on the team and wasn't even playing. Who was a, f- a fourth round pick a year later, you know. Yeah. Um, so their talent, their, their talent level is a little better than ours. Um, but then 30 minutes before the game is just like we've been talking about. Like everything's out the window. Then like we're playing basketball now. Like now it's again everything that I worked for. And I think all those moments before that, Thomas, like holding my shoes out not playing in that game, asking to walk on and not getting it, not having any scholarship offers out of high school, all that led to that moment. You know what I mean? So I had to go through all that stuff before I could get there. And I really do believe that. Like that was, that was the challenge to see how bad I wanted it. It was all that stuff and all those failures and all those people telling you you're not good enough to get to that point. Then, 
if that makes sense. Well, Ali, um, Ali, we talk about, I know you and I have talked about it on the phone or, or, or and in person before, but it's, it's all about the journey. And I think that's yeah. where so many kids these days, and again, not trying to, to sound like the old man in the snow, I walked three miles to school, but it's, it's, it's so important, man. Like all these stories we've had so far on the live period podcast, it's like, I think it's like 10 for 10 on players. Like, yeah, I had to go through a living hell pretty much to get to where I am. And then you see kids are like, well, dude, I just want to play division one and then go play pro ball. Uh, what are you doing for it? Well, you know, I shoot and I go play pickup sometimes and I'm working hard. It's like, <laughs> no, you're not like, you have no idea. <laughs> but anyways, no, ab- yeah. ab- absolutely. That's that a hundred percent. Thomas, like, that's the biggest thing. I think Well, any of these guys, like, I think there's guys on our team, like we have a kid named Isaiah Stevens on our team and he always talks about how he was always the short fat kid growing up and how he just got ripped on all the time. And, you know, he ain't fat anymore. He's not anymore. (laughs) And now, and that like, but that, that put a chip on your shoulder. Like every kid, I mean, even you look at, and Jordan's a far reaching example, but like cut from varsity and goes to his mom and his mom says, go work harder. You know what I mean? And so I was lucky enough. I had parents also that, that instilled that in me too. And that, and that allowed me to pursue my dream. Like it's not, there's so many more aspects of this that I think people can affect their kids but also just mentors. Like I had a really good mentor that taught me what work is. And that's my biggest challenge for kids is like find the hardest working guy, you you know, and work harder than them and then see where you're at. Cause then I bet you'll find another guy that's going to challenge you. And now you got to take another step. Um, but yeah, that, but yeah, that's, so we're at that point right before tip off, we're at half court now getting ready for the game and you can't touch the balls before the games. Right. And um, these dudes are just talking crazy to us like absolutely going crazy talking to us. Like these white guys don't want anything. Like they look lost out here. Um, you guys should go back home now. I don't even know why we're playing this game. And I'm just like, well, I'm excited to be here. <laughs> <laughs> Hello gentlemen. I am pleased to be here. Yeah. I was like, can they do that? Like, can they just take <laughs> us off the court? Um, and so what, anyways, what time, what time was that game at? What was this the, it was the it was the first game of the day in Oklahoma City. I know that there's probably yeah. games going on earlier because we're uh, Central Time Zone, but yeah. um, it, it it had to have been one of the first it was one of the early ones because yeah. because this this like you know I've told Thomas about this and I've kind of mentioned it to you, but this game this game ended up starting my love affair with basketball. Like I was always kind of a cursory fan. I had you know I I just hadn't really like gotten into it, and um, you know the analytics and all that stuff came later. But my day started 12 hours earlier, making sure I got a seat to see this game. Like this was the one that I said, I, you know, cause we, we would always go to Vegas for this stuff. And I wanted to make sure that I got a great seat dead center. Now I'm fighting Kansas fans for a seat, right? So I got to be there 12 hours ahead of time. I'm sitting in this freaking chair in the middle of the night, just screwing around on my phone, like waiting for your game to start. And which is which is nuts. And, and you know, I'm sitting there thinking there was multiple times that I almost left thinking like, what am I doing? Number one, Kansas, northern Iowa that I didn't really even know existed until, you know, I'd seen you guys the year before. But other than that, like, I don't know anything about northern Iowa. And and I'm like, this is going to be a 30 point game. Like, why am I sitting here for this? And there was something that was just like this one felt different. Like this felt like, you know what? I'm going to, I'm going to sit, I'm going to, I'm going to sit for 12 damn hours <laughs> in this goddamn chair. People are like bringing me sandwiches and stuff, just trying to keep me alive uh, so that I can see this game. So, so the TV comes on and you guys are, you guys are standing there at mid court. I'm watching. I'm dead center surrounded by every freaking Jayhawk fan in the country. It seems like is all in this one room and one guy in the back wearing a purple Jersey somewhere. <laughs> And so what, so, so take us, take us from tip and, and, and walk us through it. So, yeah, you and like 10 people only wanted to see that game probably at that point. Um, <laughs> um, not it. So whatever we, ball gets jumped up um, and everything else, uh, everything else is normal. Like we approach the game like every other game. And um, if you knew our team and you watched us enough, like no moment was too big for us. Like we had the year before that, we had won so many games by two points, one point, three points, like a ton of close games. 
So we were never, we were a really seasoned team in that sense. Like no moment was too big for us. Like we knew we could accomplish something. Um, and we jump ball and we just start going. Jordan Eggleser hits a three. John Moran starts banging threes and we're up 10-2 to start the game. And I, I remember um, they called timeout when we we're up 10-2. And Johnny, who I was talking about earlier, who's the ultimate hustle guy, toughness, um, and he's crazy too. And he just goes nuts, like starts like screaming, like I, like you would have thought we won the game already. And he was just going nuts walking to the sideline. And that's just how he was always though. And then I remember we got – him and I get usually taken out at the same time. So we get taken out about 13 minutes or something, and we're sitting there, um, and we're, we're kind of talking. And he's – I can see his legs are shaking. And I'm like, what is this dude doing? And he's, he's just, like, really antsy. And he goes, he goes, why aren't we in the game? Like, we should be in the game right now. Why aren't we in the game? Like, we should be in the game. I'm like, man, we've been out for a minute. Like, relax. <laughs> and he's, like, ready to go, though. And so finally, like, we get back in, and then I remember, like, it just worked out. Like, I – made the first four shots I took and it just felt, felt right. And every single shot was, it wasn't wide open, but I just, it felt good every single time coming out of my hands and we got enough of a lead and we just kept going and going and we go into halftime and we're up. And at that point, no one's, no one's celebrating. You know what I mean? And that's, that's when I knew we had a chance to win the game is when we went to halftime, no one was like, Hey, we're up on Kansas. You know what I mean? Like we're like, Hey, we got 20 minutes left and they're, the best team in the country. So we better come out and be ready to go again. Um, and I remember we come out at halftime and um, at that point I'm feeling pretty good. And so I remember uh, they passed the ball ahead of me. I, I think I traveled, but whatever they call it. And I go past the guy and Cole Aldridge steps up and I'm like, he's he was one of the best shot blockers in the country at the time. And so I'm, I'm like, God, I got to figure out something to do. So I kind of give him an eyes up to the rim and throw behind the back pass to Adam cook and he and then he lays it in. I'm like, oh my, oh here we go now. Like this is this is a wrap. Like we got this game. And so then I proceed to miss the next seven shots uh, that I take in the game. Um, but that's just a quick side note. We'll rush through that one. Um, but so I literally I missed the next seven shots. So um, then they start pressing us, and I still I last time I, I don't remember the last time I watched the game, but the last time I watched the game, I remember thinking like, how do we end up winning this game? Because they literally. They steal the ball every single possession, it feels like. They're making shots again. They're driving to the basket. We can't hit anything. Um, and the last possession before that, Kajo steps out of bounds. And at that point, it's a three-point game. And there's, what, 30 – there's probably 45 seconds left. He steps out of bounds. You can see on all our faces, we're like, what is going on? And um, Sharon Collins then drives in and makes a tough layup. Now we're, now we're only up one with 37 seconds, something like that, the 40, 42 seconds left. Um, and I still remember, though, like nobody freaked out. Like nobody was yelling at, at, at each other. Nobody was like – no one was shifting blame to anybody, you know, and easily could have done that because all of us had a moment where we it looked like we didn't know how to play basketball. Um, but we stayed together. And get the ball inbounds, um, my freshman – forward takes the ball out of bounds and throws a bounce pass in then the next guy throws another bounce pass and so the cardinal sin in the backcourt you never throw bounce passes right well we throw two of them and um ball gets up ahead to kajo and then kajo throws it ahead to me and um the guy kind of just backed up and some people look like say that like it looks like i thought about it but i never really thought about it i literally just looked at him saw him back off and then i was like all right i'm shooting it because I'm a shooter. I'm open. That's what I do. And I think that's just the mentality that, that you have to have. And yeah, if there's a little different shot clock, maybe I do pull it out, but I knew I, I had a feeling they were going to make us take a shot. Otherwise I'm passing the ball around and we haven't made more than five passes in a row completed. So why am I going to trust that? Um, and it was the first time I crossed half court in the last seven minutes of the game. Um, so there's a ton of stuff that added up to that. But I think at the end of the day, it goes back to what we talked about originally. Brandon was like, I had a coach that believed in me, you know, and all that work and everything else. I was going to shoot it. There was never a doubt in my mind I was going to shoot that because I knew my coach believed in me and I knew I'd put in enough work to be in that point before. So it wasn't I was going to shoot that shot a thousand times over again. Jeez. Well, and and so when that that shot goes in and the world <laughs> – freezes and everybody and 
Kansas realizes what has just happened. Like, you know, like I said, like that was, that was the moment for me when, when basketball like clicked, like how amazing this sport was. So when that game ends and you know, the, I, I'm sure like, it's just a blur of on the court. Um, but what was, what was that like when all of a sudden, like it has kind of clicked with you guys that what you just did and how did everybody react? Like everybody around you, like what was, how did you even take that in? Yeah, I think, well, so like the, the cover of the sports illustrated one, that, that picture was actually me celebrating um, my roommate taking a charge to basically seal the game. And yeah. that's like some, so some people think like that was like, because I made that shot that I reacted like that, but really I reacted like that because my teammate just took a charge on the other end. And that's when I, that's when I knew it was over, yeah. you know? And um, that's, that moment was every, was that whole journey. Like Thomas was saying that whole journey added up to that moment of me going straight primal and screaming and yelling. And that was the whole moment. That was it. Um, and that was, it solidified everything that I went through to get to that point. You know what I mean? Um, and then after that, it was just, it was bedlam. Like we're just all over the court. And I remember the interview, like I watched, I watched the interview. I think now my wife made me watch it after the game. And like, I don't even know what I'm saying. Like you can tell I'm just, I'm, I don't know what's going on. And um, the rest of the time it was like that. Like I had 500 text messages. I don't know 500 people. Um, and in like 20 minutes, um, it just, it just died in the middle of a text message. I'm texting someone back dead. And then, um, we land back at the airport and at like 1am there's probably 50 people waiting for us when we get there. Um, and all my roommates and I can do is we go back and we go back and watch a movie in our basement together. <laughs> and that was kind of, that was kind of it until the next morning. I remember I couldn't, I didn't sleep at all. And the next morning we go on CBS, me coach Jake and I, and I look like I've, I look like I'm, I was just with the guys on the movie from hangover for three days in a row. <laughs> like my eyes are, I, I can't see, I don't know what I'm saying. And I literally, there's one point I remember staring down and coach Jake going, Ali, are you okay? And I go, uh, what? And that was, that was the whole week after that. I remember the rest of the time it was like, every time we walked out for practice, there was 20 cameras surrounding, surrounding me and our team and just wanting to talk to us. Hey, Ali, it's unbelievable. a real quick side note. I just want to get your opinion on this. When you talked about the Kansas, when they started pressing and you guys couldn't break the press and it just felt like, oh my gosh, this is how we lose. My my experience of that, my freshman year of college at William & Mary, we played Maryland the year they won the national title. So Lonnie Baxter, Juan Dixon, Steve Blake, uh, the freaking unbelievable, Gary Williams. And we were playing pretty well at their place. National televised game, packed. And I, I swear, it was like somebody just they, – they came out the second half and they just – like he put his hand down. And they full court pressed us. To this day, the toughest thing we I've ever seen in a game. Like we like we probably had 20 turnovers. Like is, would you say that's kind of how it felt with Kansas? You're like, this is the hardest defense I've ever played in my life. Yeah, I was like, why didn't why weren't they doing this all game? Um, yeah. <laughs> for sure, because <laughs> I mean, Xavier Henry was guarding me, who was six seven with a six ten wingspan. I'm six foot with a five eleven wingspan. Um, <laughs> it's it, it was it great, felt like built that, great though. for holding shoes out in front of you though. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. I wasn't gonna get punished <laughs> with shoes. Um, but yeah, you know, you're right. Like it was, I, it felt like it was slipping away. Like in watching it more now, like if I when watching it back, I'm like, I really feel like that. But I don't remember. I don't remember truly feeling like it was slipping away while we were playing. And I know that it sounds weird, but like it's such a different perspective, and it was just ingrained in our mindset. And through winning, I think you know, once you win close games and you win enough of those games like that, you really do believe you're going to win every game, no matter what's going on. Yep. And that's just that was our mindset. And we never, it never crossed my mind that we were going to lose. It really didn't. Like there was times where I was like, "What are we doing? Like this is not how this is supposed to be going right now." <laughs> um, but it never crossed my mind like, "Oh man, like what if we blow this?" You know what I mean? Because right. if I feel like if we would have thought that, I'm not taking that shot. There's no way I would. I definitely would have pulled it out. I would have pulled it out and passed it around. You know what I mean? Yeah. But I think it was kind of like at the same time it was like this is this is my chance to take the game. Why would I not? 
You yeah. Know what I mean, it wasn't like it wasn't like I was going to go in and dunk on somebody. I was going to do the one thing I'm really good at is shooting threes. So I'm going to they're giving it to me. I'm going to take advantage of it and we're going to win the game. Yeah. I mean, the 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 game very easily had you pulled that out could have gone the way that we see so many of those go when those upsets just don't quite happen because something at the end, you know, the 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 talent experience the length the whatever you call it for the you know the the huge program just finally like kicks in and you know the the caution uh, the cautiousness of the other team is the thing that gets exposed right and you're like oh they were right there you no, know? Exa- and, exactly and exactly. i remember watching that shot going that's ballsy <laughs> like I, I i'm pretty sure i all, all i could hear in my head and and the funny thing is is when i remember the story I remember it with the announcer screaming onions. I don't think he actually did that. I just remember it that way. <laughs> like I've created this whole narrative in my head of like, like what happened and what were people saying when that thing went down. And, uh, and yeah, I mean, it was just, it was unbelievable. And, and it's so funny because the, you know, when you talk to people that, uh, you know, what, what are some of the, the shots that, um, you know, from the, the tournament, some of the wins, you know, all the, the history of the tournament, what are the ones people remember? And they, you know, remember the NC State team and they remember, you know, UMBC upsetting Virginia. And I'll be darned if they don't remember Ali Farouk Mesh knocking out uh, Kansas there. And, uh, <laughs> it was unbelievable. It was but crazy. I think what, I think the two things that you guys said, too, that like that like keeps sticking out to me now, too, that the more I think about it and whatnot is like, you have to run to adversity. And I know that like it's backwards thinking in some senses. Cause like, why would you do that? Like run to success. Um, but, but I like what you said that everyone you've talked to has had, they've had some aspect in their life where they've almost thought about quitting or, or something along those lines where it's just like, this isn't going to work out for me, you know? And I really do believe like those experiences and, and whatnot harden you to the point that you're like, when you do reach an opportunity like that, then, you're going to take advantage of it because you, you truly believe you deserve it in, in, in some form or fashion, you know? Right. Like this wasn't a fluke. Like this was something like I fought yeah. to get to. Right? Yeah. This is something like you, like nobody was in the gym with me at Kirkwood community college shooting 500 jumpers on the, on the gun after I'd worked out for five hours a day already, you know? Right. And it's those things. And everybody, I think there's so many good stories of guys that have had to do that. Like even, you're watching the Jordan documentary right now. I think that was, that's, that was awesome that he got cut from his team. Like that hardened him, yeah. you know? And then his mom backing that up, like that's huge. Who does that? Like there's very, that's what I think it's missing in recruiting too, is like that aspect of it. Right. Well, the, now, you go, Ollie, you say real quick, B, the, you just got to put yourself in position to, to be successful and you never know when that plan, that chance is going to come. And like you said, it's something you look back on in your thirties now that you can tell recruits, that's going to make you, which I know you're a good coach, but a, a really good recruiter as well. You can be like, hey, I, I had this opportunity happen, but it's because of these 10 years beforehand. And it's so hard when I when I try to teach my players as well. It's like you, <laughs> all that stuff I did was for this moment and that moment. Wait, you had to do all that for that and that? It's like, yeah, and you didn't know it at the time. Again, it gets back to the journey. And uh, it speaks volumes to, to your story right there. That's uh, 100%. Yeah. It's like Bob, Bob Ritchie, who's a coach at Furman, said something the other day when I was talking to him, and he said, um, you, you don't chase moments. Like, you got to chase people and embrace the journeys. You know what I mean? Because it's like if if my whole thing would have just been to that shot was it, you know what I mean? Like, that was my moment. Like, that was my moment. It was a great moment. Like, I'm not saying it wasn't. Um, but, like, it's like what you said, Tom, is like that the journey – is what made everything so much better and, and being doing it with my friends and having my parents sacrifice for me to be there and, and everybody, and coach Wagemeister believing in me and coach Jake believing in me, like those things are what make that moment great. Not the moment itself. You know what I mean? Yeah. If, like if I would have just made that shot and none of that stuff would have happened, it would have been awesome still, but like, that's what makes it special. And that's what makes, that's what makes my bond with by all those people so much stronger too, is because, they were with me along that journey and believed in me along that journey. So before we let you go, you know, I, obviously you and I didn't know each other when you were playing. Um, I've gotten to know you as a coach and a lot of people that are hearing this, um, you know, probably think that, you know, when all of a sudden you're the most famous player in the country and, and 
you know, you're, you're on the cover of Sports Illustrated and, and all of these crazy, amazing things are happening that you've worked for for so long. And you decide to go pro and uh, you, play, you play pro for a while and then you decide at some point, I'm going to make a change and I'm going to leave that behind. Uh, and I'm going to get into coaching. Like what, what was that thought process like for you when you, you finally said like, this is going to be the last time that I'm going to take a shot that adds up on a scoreboard and I'm going to go help other young people get to experience what I experienced. Yeah, no, that that's, that's hard. Like I think Thomas can probably attest to that. Like even, even when you know you should be done, like it doesn't make it easy. Um, and no, I love playing pickup, but nothing's going to ever compare to an actual game. Now I'm still just as competitive. Like I'm not, I don't want to lose any pickup games, but, um, but it is different. Um, and that was hard. That was hard giving it up. And it was hard getting into coaching. I think the hardest transition for young coaches and young, young former players to becoming coaches um, is transitioning from being, having that player mindset to a coaching mindset. Um, like you're not one of the guys anymore and you can't be. And that was a hard thing for me to understand because I still had this idea, like I'm still a player, you know what I mean? Like, and you, there has to be a separation between that player attitude and how you approach things and the coaching. And that doesn't mean like, you're still like, you're still going to be there for them. You're still going to be, you're going to be tight with them. You're going to have jokes with them. You're going to laugh with them. You're going to have a great relationship with them, but there has to be that separation. And there's a fine line between being a player and being a coach. And that, that was the hardest adjustment for me. And it took me a while and I got lucky. I had a lot of good mentors that helped me get through that. Like Jim Molinari and Kenya Hunter and Phil Beckner. Um, I, I had a lot of good people that helped me navigate that process. And I think that's, I got, I got lucky that I got in a situation. Um, and then I got with great people that helped me figure out how to impact kids while coaching if that makes sense. Like I, yeah. I didn't, I didn't understand that as much until I really had a lot of people that, that taught me. And I, for all young coaches, like I'd seek out mentors, seek out people to help you seek out people that have done it before and talk to them and, and learn as much as you can. That's the one thing that all those, all those coaches that taught me those things, that's what they did. And so like, there's a reason I, I there's a reason I follow those people's footpaths, you know? No, it's, it's, it's one of those things, Ali, like you were saying, it, it's tough to to go from a player to, to being a coach. Uh, but once you once you find your niche and what you really are passionate about in that next step of life, it's pretty awesome. I mean, I, I miss just like you said, I miss the playing. When people ask me, I don't miss I don't miss all the practices over in Europe, two a days and doing <laughs> crazy stuff and all that. Um, but I miss the competition. I'm a competitor in everything I do, like you. Um, whether it be playing darts, playing pool, or, or, or playing basketball or golf, whatever. Um, yeah. And that transition um, is so important. I think so many guys have such a struggle with it. But guys like you and me, we've found that new path. And, and you know, the players that you recruit, the, the, when we talk about stuff, it's it's just good stuff, man, because we get it. And, and I wish more guys had that opportunity because it's it's tough. It's a tough transition to, to turn it off, but still have it on, if you know what I mean. Yeah. And it's like, I mean, both of you guys, you guys, what a coach is there to push someone to get some, to get to a place that they can't get themselves, you know? And I think that's, that's what we're supposed to do. And that like someone helped me do it. So now that's, that's my job. And that's in, in, in the same aspects from what you guys do, you guys are trying to help people get to where they want to go. And like, obviously Thomas yours is with training and Brandon yours is with yours is with helping kids understand what that looks like and what that process looks like and helping them done. And so we're all doing the same thing at the end of the day, coaching kids to get somewhere they don't, that they don't either, they don't think they can get to or that they don't know that they have the capabilities of doing it, you know? And that's fun. That's, that's what this, that's, that's what's made it fun for me coaching again is understanding that. And that's my, that's what drives me now is to help guys get to places that they can't get themselves or to help them understand that like that pain they're going through, it will be worth it if they stick with it. Same, same here. Yeah. I mean, you've, you, you, over the, over the course of your career, you have uh, had an impact on the game for how you played. Uh, now you get to have an impact on the game for how you coach. And, you know, if we know anything about you, it's that this is just the beginning. And, uh, you know, Thomas and I talk all the time about, you know, like what's, what's next for guys like you, you know, what's, uh, the, the, as you've, if you've 
have grown quickly in this business and in the coaching side of things. And, you know, I'm lucky enough, I get to come watch you coach in practice and see how you interact with young people and the impact that you have on these kids and stuff. And so we all know that uh, this is just the beginning and this is, this is going to be a fun one to watch as you, uh, you know, as you continue to grow and take your next steps and, and onwards and upwards. So um, we sincerely appreciate you coming on today. Uh, th- this one, this one has been cool just to, to like, you know, to interview a friend and, and, and talk to you about some things that we've never gotten to talk about before. And so uh, we really appreciate it. Well, thanks for having me on Brandon. I appreciate it. You guys are doing an awesome job too. Obviously Brandon, like I appreciate everything you've done for us um, and continue to do for, for Juco kids. Cause that's, people don't know that necessarily about me, but like, that's, 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 that's a deep place in my heart too. Cause like I went through it. And I know how hard it is. So, so thank you guys again. Yeah, you bet, man. You awesome. take care. We'll All talk right. soon, buddy. See you guys.